All this week, we've been on what we've called Learn of Me. And it's from Matthew 11. You want to look some more about it? You want to think some more about it? You're here. You might as well get some more. Matthew 11, we had read where more than once the Father had spoken from heaven and concerning Jesus said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And at at the baptism, this was before Jesus had done any ministry, before any preaching or teaching or miracles or healings or deliverances. So what is the Father seeing that he's saying he's pleased with? What is that? And then in chapter 11, we saw this, and we've seen more and more things that connect to it. Matthew 11:28. He said, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, heavy loaded, and I will give you rest. It's never God's will for us to go days and weeks and months agitated, agitated, upset, stressed out. If that's the case, we're doing something wrong. His will is faith. You could also say trust. And if you're in faith, trust, you're in rest. Every time. I will give you rest. Sit out loud. He gives me rest. He gives me rest. And I receive it. I receive and I live in it. I live, I live in the rest. I got a great compliment back. Uh, I had the privilege of working in Brother Kenneth Hagin's uh, healing school for, I guess it was 15 years or so. And... Um, a pastor wanted to come one time and he got permission to come. He said he wanted to shadow me in the healing school and watch what we did and this and that. So he was with me for a week, maybe two weeks. And um, one day after we had had uh, it was school classes and then prayer school and then healing school. And now it was like, I don't know, four in the afternoon. I'm coming back to the office and I sat down. He came in the door and sat down across the desk and I said, whoo, praise God. He looked at me. He said, Brother Keith, can I say something? I said, yeah, what? He said, if you were any more laid back, you'd be in a coma. (laughs) I said, thank you very much. Why? I'm not supposed to be worried. I'm not supposed to be anxious. I'm not supposed to be scared. I'm not supposed to be shaken. And panicky. So I took that as a great compliment. (laughs) Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor. Say, relax. You're going to live forever. (laughs) You're going to live forever. You're going to live forever. Relax. (laughs) You're going to be around. (laughs) relax you're going to be around I'm telling you if you could fast forward a thousand years into the future and look back to now and see it from that perspective you would go why did I waste time fretting over that being upset about that piddly little stuff I mean why you know and if, if the Lord's around, he'll look at you and go, I told you. I told you, just just relax and trust me. <laughs> I told you I had it under control. Come to me all that labor and are heavy loaded, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Not all yokes are his yoke. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Everybody say, learn of me. me. There is so much, so many religious ideas Uh about who Jesus is and what he is. 
that are complete fabrications of men. And there's all this, you know, you hear a lot of talk even about what would Jesus do. You don't have to guess what Jesus would do. There are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is full of what Jesus did. You want to live in that and focus on that. And um, not just make up how you imagine to be. And in fact, one of the biggest problems is that people recreate God in their own image. And the psalmist even said, you know, you thought I was such an one as yourself. (laughs) And what God was saying to him, I ain't like that. (laughs) You imagine, you know, people think, oh, me and God, yeah, we'd like that. (laughs) Yeah. And as you grow, you find out it can be different than how you, you saw it. So you got to watch about things you picked up in your childhood or even the different churches and sermons and this and that. And, and uh, you want to go straight to the source. And here you got Jesus himself telling you, this is what I'm like. What are you like, Master? I am meek and lowly of heart. Now, the enemy has convinced much of the world that meekness is weakness and something not to be desired. And so people do not pursue humility or meekness. Church people will agree, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's important, yeah. But Monday, they won't think about it again. And it's about getting what's mine and get out of my way. But That doesn't work. That doesn't get the results that you want. Meekness is strength. It takes strength and trust to humble yourself and to submit and to obey. It takes more strength and faith than many people have, which is why they won't. You've got to be secure. You've got to be settled. You've got to trust in your God to yield your will to a different will. To sacrifice what you thought you really wanted and wanted to do, trusting that God's going to take care of you. Whatever it takes. And this is all said and done. He's looking out for your best interest. It takes strength to do that. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Paul in 2 Corinthians 10.1, he said, I beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. The meekness and gentleness of Christ. God could very easily intimidate us. God could stick his face in the lower atmosphere. <laughs> and by midnight there wouldn't be an unbeliever on the planet. There's any number of millions of things he could do to shake the solar system, to, you know, the list is just endless. Somebody says, well, why don't he do it? He doesn't want to. He actually, Isaiah talked about God is a God who hides himself. He has to hide himself a lot or else there wouldn't be any room for faith. If he manifested himself much more, (laughs) there wouldn't be the space for faith. Because faith is the evidence of what? Things not seen. There has to be some room there. And uh, just who he is. Ah, 
What kind of being creates a star? I mean, our sun is 95 million miles away. And in August, you think it's too close. Is that right? (laughs) What if it was only 80 million miles away? But that's just one of millions, billions, trillions of stars. What kind of being can create this? Your body, your brain, your mind, your spirit. He made this. What kind of being can make this? His wisdom. There's no searching of it. He could so easily just blow us away. You're talking about talking over your head? (laughs) God has to simplify it for us. When he says, my little children, it's not a figure of speech. (laughs) It's not. Even if you're a hundred years old, what's that to him? The ancient of days? When he says, my little children, I, sometimes I get the sense of even of his dealing with me that something happened and it went good and I'm pleased with it and I'm happy and, and I show him and he goes, oh, that's pretty, baby. That's pretty. <laughs> it's, it's like a little three-year-old that did a coloring, you know, and scrolling. <laughs> you go, and you go, it ain't artwork, but you're going, oh, that's pretty, baby. That's Before such power, before such wisdom, before such glory, it should not be hard for us to humble ourselves. Huh? Why? How would it be a struggle for us to bow the knee? For us to acknowledge God over us? Can you say amen? Amen Amen means so be it. Yes. Go to 1 Peter, please. Yeah, I'm moving too fast. Can I back up a little bit? Okay. Beep, beep. (laughs) Put up, I'm just, don't don't turn to these. I just want to remind you of some of these. Um, Zephaniah 2 and 3. Zephaniah 2 and 3 says, Seek the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. Say it out loud. Seek meekness. meekness. Or from what we've read in, in Matthew 11, seek Christ's likeness. Seek to be like him. Have you been seeking meekness? Have you and I been pursuing meekness? Do you want to know? That was four people. I think you do. Say it out loud. Father God. I I heed your word. I seek meekness. Christ likeness. Reveal to me. Please, Please. what it is, is. how it functions, how it develops. develops. I want to know know. and be be. the meekness meekness and gentleness gentleness of Christ. Christ. We live in a hard, harsh, selfish, ungodly world. And we're warned, don't be conformed to it. You have to watch. Just getting up in the morning, just going to work, just dealing with things here and there, you can get sucked into the strife. And if people get in your face, what does your flesh want to do? Get 
get back in their face, their face. And what you don't realize is you wind up yielding to the same ungodly spirits they're yielding to. Strife, the Lord said this to me years ago when we first started in ministry when we had, and we had staff and offices. The Lord said to me, he said, you must not allow strife in your offices and in your people and in ministry. Strife is the manifested presence of the devil. James talks about it. Where there's envy and strife, there's what? Every evil work. You, you can sense it. If somebody had been really all out fighting and yelling at each other in a room, you could know nothing about it and walk into the room, you feel it. You can sense it. You can feel it. What do you feel? What are you feeling? It ain't God. I said it's not God. It's the manifested presence of the evil one. The strife. And the whole world is just full of it. People yelling at each other. Screaming at each other. and Trying to get back at each other. Get ahead of each other. Running over each other. Pushing each other. Shoving each other. That's not meek. That's not gentle. Do you want to be? Like the master? Do you want to be? Meek? Gentle? Kind? Kind? Somebody say kind. Didn't, didn't Ephesians say? Be ye kind. One to another. Forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Kind. Do we need to relax? Slow down a notch. Not be quick to get mad. Not be quick to say something. I have the peace of God. It passes understanding. And what God intends is that that peace that's on you affect other people. I know Phyllis used to work and she would organize and run doctor's offices. And in fact, before she got into ministry, she had her own consulting business. And um, people would pay her handsomely to come and straighten out their stuff and get it running right. But when she had folks working under her and for her, she'd hire people that were lost and uh, just wouldn't be long before they got saved. <laughs> and uh, so more than once, she'd come home with an employee in trail. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, bless their hearts, you know, sinners' lives are messed up, man. And uh, thinking one time she brought this young lady in, and boy, she just looked. Did you ever see that picture, uh, that caricature, that this person, all their hair sticking out like this, and it said, I've got one nerve left, and you're on it. <laughs> That's, that's what she looked like. She, she was at like her, her wits end. And, and Phyllis brings her and says, sits, plops her down on the sofa in the living room and then says, Keith, would you come play the piano? I said, okay. So I just sat down and began to worship God, began to praise God. Come to find out she hadn't slept in like a week or, or something like that. That alone will mess you up. And... She fell sound asleep there on the couch. And we got her up a little bit, took her to the, the guest bedroom. And she didn't come out for, I don't know, two days. But when she did, she was a different person. Hallelujah. I'm saying that peace is on every one of us. Is that right? That same spirit, the spirit of peace, the spirit of God, the spirit of life, is in every one of us, that is supposed to come into the room when we come into the room. Somebody say amen. That, that, that peace, that presence, your arrival on the scene should have a calming effect. Brother Hagin said uh, at their church business meetings in the early days of him pastoring the church, he said, the uh, 
deacons and businessmen would be around. He said sometimes they'd start talking about a problem, and one of them would, you know, uh, get more excited about it than the other one did. And the time they went around the table, he said more than once they all turned and looked at him and said, "You know, my God, Brother Hagen, what are we going to do?" <laughs> he said, "We're just going to act like the word is true." We're just going to act like the Bible is so. Shouldn't our prayer. I'm not talking about getting preachy with somebody. You got to. In order to minister something. You got to have it yourself. Right. Such as you have. That's what you can give. But we are not supposed to be. As upset. As frenzied and frantic. As the unsaved world around about us. We're supposed to be different. We are a witness of the love and presence of God everywhere we go, everything we do. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Amen. Seek the Lord. Now Isaiah 29, 19 says this. I've mentioned this, but I'm giving you scriptures for these. Isaiah 29, 19, the meek will do what? What will happen? will increase their joy in the Lord. The meek. I don't think most people know that. That the happiest people are the most humble people. The most joyous people are not the proud. It's the humble. The meek. And man, you ought to like this one. Well, one of what we call the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 5, you get excited about somebody getting a plane or a few acres of riverfront or yes, how about the planet? Woo. The meek yes, <laughs> shall inherit. God's got plenty of planets, plenty of planets. But the meek are going to get to earth the whole planet. Telling you, there's some serious incentive (laughs) for growing in meekness and humility. Now go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5. Faith Life International is our ministry, international outreach, and also association of ministers, ministries, and churches. And it is based on this passage of Scripture, 1 Peter 5. Verse 1 says, The elders that are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of ready mind, Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you'll receive a crown of glory that doesn't fade away. Then he says, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves. Now, if you weren't with us a couple of nights ago, we we showed about six, seven places in the New Testament where this exact phrase is used. Talking about different relationships that are God-joined and godly submission. If you want to know how to stay out of error concerning submission, discipleship, those kind of things, a big part of it is right here. Godly submission is not something anyone does to you. Is something you do. You submit to somebody. And if you don't do it. It doesn't happen. It's not something anybody. Makes you do. God won't make you do it. So his people should not. Try to make you do it. Leaders should not try to make you. Do anything. But if you. Have the faith. And you believe it. You will submit yourself. And in this case, you submit yourselves to the elder. All of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. 
Say that phrase out loud. Clothed with humility. Say it again. Clothed. Clothed. Like a, like a coat. Or like a robe. Clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. And gives grace to the humble. So if that's true and you're smart. Verse 6 says what? So. Who's going to humble you? Somebody said, well, God humbled you. No, uh-uh. No, if you don't humble yourself, it's not going to happen. All kind of tragedies can happen to you, and that doesn't make you humble. I've seen people just get meaner, right? The harder things get. Oh, no. You humble yourself. You submit yourself, if you're smart, under the mighty hand of God. What we're just talking about. The creator of the universe. There's been times I've had greater experiences in the presence of God, waiting on God. And you, you feel like sometimes, I don't know, I, I like to ride motorcycles when I can in the mountains. And if I'm close by sometime ministering and I can find a motorbike, I'll get out there and ride. And it is just beautiful, a 14,000 foot peak with snow on top. And at the right time in the sunshine... And you go motoring around it, you, you can feel like a speck of dust on the flea on the dog. <laughs> we especially look up in the night sky and it's just full of that. You, you begin to realize. And there's been times in the presence of God, I've felt like a tiny pebble at the base of the Rocky Mountains. Beginning to just kind of get a sense who he is. What he is. You want to find out who your father is. Don't go to the library. And look for a dusty theology book. Look up in the night sky. On a clear night. Look across the vastness. Of the Pacific Ocean. Look. Hallelujah. At his creation. And we're only seeing a tiny. 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 Tiny part. Of what he has made. And for him to call us. His own children. Why should there be any haughtiness in us? Any arrogance in us? Any you can't tell me what to do. That is the definition of a fool. That's why the scripture says the fool says in his heart. There is no God. That is a fool. That ain't calling somebody a name. That's just they are so oblivious to their situation and reality. We are dependent on God for our next breath, our next heartbeat. We're dependent on his gravity to keep us in our seat. Is that right? On the star to continue burning. All that nuclear fusion to keep us from freezing into a block of ice overnight. I'm telling you, God didn't just make us. All things are upheld by the word of his power. He sustains us every millisecond. You can't even have a conscious thought without the synapse, which is life, coming from your spirit, coming from his spirit. In your being. Complete dependency. Ah, Yeah I'll share that Lord. Back when I first went to Ramah. I was there for about. I don't know Phyllis. Was it five. Ten years or something. And the Lord was showing me things about this. That I'm talking to you right now. And I realized in a time. A moment. That I did not realize. How dependent on him I was. That revelation came to me. That I did not realize. How dependent on him I was. It's easy to take things for granted. It's easy what you're used to. I was in the ministry. I was ministering at that point. Sometimes 20 times a week. Speaking. Singing. Traveling. Young. (laughs) You know. Burning it. And um, so I I remember kneeling down and saying, Lord, I want to know. 
I don't want to be, you know, not giving you, acknowledging you what you're doing for me. I I don't want to be oblivious. I don't want to be dark. Reveal to me. Show me. I want to know. And I was not ready for what happened. I'm not telling you to pray like this. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you what happened to me. And something happened over the next three or four days. Don't make a doctrine out of this. I'm telling you my experience. And I know God was in it because of the outcome. But it, it seemed like his ability and anointing on me just lifted. Just came off of me. And you know, if you've been wearing a coat for 20 years, you, you forget you got it on. Right? You're used to it. You're used to the weight of it and the fit of it. It's, it's only when it would come off, you'd go, whoa, what happened? I thought, well, what, what's going on? And so the, I came in the next morning to minister. I'm supposed to minister in healing school. And, and every time I would sing, and uh, I, I did the music on a lot of those, and the Lord had given me some songs, and a lot of times I wouldn't carry any chord charts or any uh, words or anything. I'd remember them all, and, and a lot of the verses I'd remember. And I, I got ready to go, and I couldn't think of what song to sing. And I thought, come on now, you, you can do this. I couldn't. And I thought, well, okay, get somebody else to sing, and then you can speak. What what are we going to speak on? I couldn't think of a verse. I couldn't put one example with another. I, I, I did my best. I said, now come on, Keith. You do this every day. Did I? Huh? How was I doing it? I couldn't do, I couldn't speak, I couldn't sing, I couldn't do any of it for, it was almost a week. I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. And at the end of those days, it came back on me. (laughs) And all at once, I could remember the notes, I could remember the chords, I could remember all the words of the song, I could remember the verses. But from then until now, I know. Keithy boy ain't doing it by himself. I, I have a revelation of how much he's helping me. And so I stir myself up often to thank him. Thank you. Every time something works. If it's good, it was God. If it's bad, it was you. <laughs> That's easy. It's easy. But see, you get to, you get to, I didn't realize there was a grace on me from when I was born to speak. I didn't know it. In kindergarten, I performed for the whole class with a hat and a cane (laughs) on the stage. I did Bill Bailey for him. And I wasn't scared. (laughs) And all through school, I'd never had a problem. Getting up in front of people and speaking and, and, and you can get to thinking, well, that's just me. I can do it. No, it's a grace. It's a grace. And without that grace, you can do nothing. What am I talking about? If you know this, you have no problem exhibiting some humility. You don't have to try to be humble, refusing the credit you think you deserve you realize without his help, I can't do it. I really can't. It's not a matter of trying to be humble. It's just the truth. It's reality. And friend, the more aware you are of it, then the more he can add to you without you getting the big head. Without you thinking it's me. Oh yeah, I can do that. I got that. I can do that. Say it out loud. Thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that enables me to do what I do. Be clothed with humility. You wear it like a robe. This continual 
awareness of how dependent on him I really am. It's simple. If you come out of the fog, take a breath. You didn't create the ability to do that. You didn't create the oxygen you're breathing. You didn't create the blood cells. You want to take another one? Say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I've heard people say, well, there's no proof of God. There's no proof. Yeah, just all creation. It's just all around you. Everywhere, your breath, gravity, your consciousness. No proof of God. That's your mind being blinded by the evil God of this world. Now with that in mind, you're right there close by. Go to the third chapter. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you, which means to lift or to elevate. Elevate you in due time, casting all your care on him because he cares for you. Doesn't this sound in line with Jesus saying about being meek and lowly and you'll find rest. So what folks haven't realized is this being upset, worrying, anxious, scared, depressed is actually a pride problem. I heard a a sports figure one time say this. He said, uh, I don't worry about the things that I can do something about. Because I can do something about them. He said, and I also don't worry about the things that I can't do anything about because I can't do anything about them. (laughs) You know where that leaves you? Worry free. If you don't worry about what you can do and you don't worry about what you can't do, you're actually doing what the scripture said, casting all your care over on him and and not, not being worried about anything. A lot of times, and and we in word and faith circles have let the enemy play us on some of this because we know we have some responsibility in believing things for ourselves and resisting the enemy for ourselves. And so the enemy then has played on that, that when something hasn't happened, especially for other people, that somehow it's our fault. We should have believed more. We should have done more. But the truth is, especially with other people, it's not your choice. It was never within your power to begin with to fix it for them. And and carrying guilt about it is pride thinking you could to start with. You never could. You you got uh, regret over something you could never have accomplished. You could never have done. Thinking you could was believing a lie. It was thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. We, Phyllis and I have grown in that, you know, especially you have more people that you're ministering to and more things, there's more situations going on and you want to help. But you got to realize when you get to the place where this is outside of me, I can't do this. And one thing you got to find out, and a, a friend of ours said this one time, and man, we, we've talked about it many times since. And he said, you can't want something more for somebody than they want it for themselves doesn't work and boy we've been there many times we're like come on all I got to do is do this and do that yeah but they don't want to so you laying awake and having digestive problems when it never was your choice and you can't change it all that's going to do is diminish your ability to minister to people who do want to hear it and the enemy knows this that's why he tricks you and plays you very quick You get to a place where, okay, I've done what I know to do. This is bigger than me. What do I do now? Give it to the Lord. Cast the care of it over on Him. Get it off your mind. Turn the page. A lot of things are above your pay grade. You remember at the wedding feast of Canaan? When Jesus' mother said, they don't have any wine, what did He say? No, what did Jesus say? What's that to us? 
What's that to you and me? Now, when the father spoke to him afterward, he did something. But up to that point, did you hear that phrase or not? What's that to us? There's a whole lot of things are nothing to you. It's not within your authority. It's not within your ability. Not your responsibility. And taking responsibility for it is acting like you're bigger than you are. Acting like you can do things you can't do. It's pride. It's thinking more highly of yourself than you should. That's why the meek increase their joy. They're happy. Because they don't stay bogged up with all this guilt about stuff they could never fix to start with. They just know, I couldn't do that. So here you go, Lord. I'm happy. (laughs) I stay happy. (laughs) Simple. Childlike. Free. Chapter 3 of 1 Peter. Did you get there? Hallelujah. I thought about giving you a shorter message tonight. It was just a passing thought. <laughs> but I want you to know that I thought about it. I did, I, I did think about it. <laughs> hey, this is Greater Faith Meeting. This, right? This just happens once a year. We do this like this. And we're at the end of this. <laughs> There's more I, I want us to get. This, this, and this is, this is rich. 1 Peter 3, verse 1. We've been talking about submission. And here this passage talks about wives submitting. Now when he says likewise, you've got to go back to chapter 2. Because he'd mentioned already, submit yourself to every ordinance of man. And be subject to those you know, that are over you, that kind of thing, rulers. And so that's why he says, likewise. This is like the third instance of talking about this group submit to this group. And so now he's talking about wives. Be in subjection to your own husbands. That's not the husband making the wife do anything. That's not something the husband does. It's something the wife does or doesn't do. But it's what the Lord said to do. And he said... That if any obey not the word, they also may be one without the word. This is with, uh, oh, what's the word? Zero nagging. (laughs) This is by an unbelieving husband observing meekness and humility in the conversation or the lifestyle of his wife that causes the Holy Spirit to be able to minister to him. Now unbelievers don't act right. They don't talk right. But if you trust God enough, even if you are not talked to correctly, you don't blow up. You don't retaliate. You don't seek revenge. Meekness. That's why meekness is anything but weakness. We're talking about strength beyond what most folk understand. Which makes sense because don't you think Jesus is the strongest? And what did he say about himself? Meek. And it goes on to say. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear or reverence, whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning. Everybody say outward. Outward. That's the emphasis here now. People, whole groups and denominations have gotten hung up on hair and clothes and missed the the verse. Because it's a big contrast between outward and and inward, and what they wound up is just talking about the outward all the time. Whose adorning let it not be the outward adorning of plaiting the hair, wearing gold, putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, 
This is something that is ageless. Never deteriorates. Never diminishes. Never gets old. Never fades like the outward does. Hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament. Now, he referred to braiding the hair, elaborate hairstyles, even with jewelry and gold and and, and rings and, and apparel and ornamentation is a part of this passage. And he mentions now even the ornament of what? A meek and quiet spirit. We saw the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Now we see meekness and quietness. This, this goes with the first verse. And second, how the husband was one without nagging. He was one with quietness. Now, if you don't think we're talking about strong faith, how much faith does it take to keep your mouth shut? (laughs) When your flesh is screaming to straighten somebody out, dress them down, lace them up, it takes faith to sit there, stand there and say inside yourself, I don't have to say a word about this. God will help, will take care of this. He will show them. I don't need to say one thing about it. That takes faith. Strong faith. That takes trust. With many people, many church going people, many ministers, they do not trust God enough to do that. They think, no, no, I can't wait on God. I got, I got to, I got to get this off my chest. I got to give them a piece of my mind. That's a lack of faith. That's a lack of trust. And it messes up your witness. Because the thing that wins people is how sure you are. How settled you are. You don't have to prove anything to them. It's real whether they believe it or not. It's right whether they agree with it or not. It was right before they were born. It'll be right after they're gone. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. Now, I think oftentimes people have only associated that with the wife, with the woman. He didn't say that. He expands when he gets to this point. He says the meek and quiet spirit, not just of a woman, the meek and quiet spirit is to him of great price. Somebody say great price, great, great price. The Amplified says it's very precious. It's very valuable. The easy to read says it is worth very much to God. That's reason enough for all of us to want to be like this. Because this is like being like Jesus. What? Meek and quiet. I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. But to the Father and to the Lord Jesus, it's beautiful. It's attractive to him like a a, a beautiful bride is to a bridegroom. This spirit. And he's telling us the difference that don't. He's not saying you can't fix your hair. He's not saying you can't wear some jewelry. He's not saying you can't wear some nice clothes. But you need to realize this is wearing out as we speak. It is fading. It is aging. This is so, so temporary. And no matter how beautiful or attractive you may imagine that you are, it's for that long. You're aging. 
We're all like a flower that blooms and then wilts. I know it's not nice to hear, but you know it's true, right? You know it's true. So there's going to come a time and a point where no matter how much you pour it on, you still ain't 25 anymore. And it just... And, and see, if your entire identity was in your looks or in the performance of your body, you're going to have a crash. You are. Because if you lose it, you won't know, or I shouldn't say if, when you lose it, you won't know who you are. You won't know what you will have an identity crisis. But inside, what he's talking about is not corruptible. You talk about ageless. You talk about beautiful. Every time God looks at you, he doesn't just look at the outward, he looks on the heart. Is that right? Do you want God, every time he looks at you, to go, wow, what a looker. So beautiful. It'll never be your hairdo. It'll never be your clothes. It'll never be. Oh he's seen that all come. Thousands of years upon thousands of years. But the eyes of the Lord. Are continually scanning. What's he looking for? Those whose heart. Somebody say heart. 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 Wholehearted. Towards him. And this has to include the idea. Of humbling yourself. Under his mighty hand. Submitting yourself to him. Being willing to obey him. It is. Beautiful. To him. And it is ageless. Beauty. In God's eyes. So if meekness. And quietness. And humility. Submission and obedience, if that's beautiful to him, what is arrogance? What is haughtiness? It's ugly. Literally, it's ugly to him. Doesn't mean he quits loving you, but it's ugly to him. And the psalmist said, let me see if I can find, I could quote it to you, but let me give you the verse because I think you'd, yeah. 138.6. 138.6. Put it on the screen for us. Psalm 138.6. It says, Though the Lord be high, yet he has respect to who? The Lord respects. He values the lowly in heart, the humble, the, the meek. But the proud, he knows afar off. It's like it stinks to him or something. Pride. Pride's the nature of Satan himself. God hates it. It is common everywhere throughout the earth. All you got to do to act proud is wake up in the morning and yield to your flesh. But if you, if you seek the Lord and you listen to the Spirit on the inside you, even if you start a wrong direction, you'll say, stop that, stop that. No, shut up. And many times... This humility is as simple as being quiet. Shut up. Meek and quiet. Say it out loud. Meek and quiet. Not with some nasty, bitter attitude. It's quiet with a smile. Quiet with a knowing smile. Not a God's going to get you. Smile, <laughs> but a knowing that God is going to take care of me no matter what they do or don't do, even if they get it wrong and very wrong. If I'm doing what He told me to do, if I'm where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm, He will take care of me, whatever it takes. I can rest in that, I can trust in that. Don't have to yell, don't have to scream, don't have to demand what is mine. You know, Phyllis told you about that hangar deal. 
But that was something that was real special to me. I'd been believing for that for 30 years. I was inspired by Brother Mac's hanger. Mac and Lynn, they got a beautiful hanger up in Minneapolis. And I was inspired by Brother Copeland's hanger. And uh, we had rented little hangers and stuff, but it wasn't like that. I'm talking about, you know, something nice with offices. And, and this was one of two that you could have. And Phyllis prayed and heard the Holy Ghost and called the person at the right time and, and had a deal, had a contract and everything. And, and they just stole it from us. So what do you do? What does your flesh want to do? <laughs> what does your flesh want to do? <laughs> we got in the car, we went out to the hangar and, and just sat in the parking lot and sat there. I was so looking forward to getting in there, get, going up in the office, and looking out over the airport and just thanking God, blessing God. And now they've taken it away. What do I do? You so badly want to take it into your own hands. Is that right? You want to get loud. You want to demand. You want to shake. And that's when the Lord, we sat there and the Lord said, this is not over. We got two words. Just her and I sitting in the car. This is not over. What should that do to us? Ha. <sighs> It ain't over. They think it's over. <laughs> but it ain't over. Can I rest in this? Yes. Can I go ahead and relax now? Yes. Then that's when he told us the next part. He said, don't say anything against these people. Do not speak against them. Don't say anything against them. Don't do anything against them. Now this is going to challenge your faith. Right? Can I really believe that it's going to work out if I do nothing? If I'm meek, let's see, in a, in a case like that, your grandpa's words, your daddy's words, your coach's words, well, you can't let people just run over you now. You got to stand up. You got to be a man. You know, you got to. Yeah, but I'm not just a more, I'm not just a man. I'm a Christian. And I'm a minister. Is that right? I'm a minister. I represent Jesus. Well, she told you the testimony. For a year and a half, it looked like it, it wasn't going to happen. But it did. And they went out of business. And it's ours. <laughs> and it's paid for. And we didn't do it. Didn't have to. He did it. That'll work with your mother-in-law. That'll work with your husband. Somebody said, I've told them a thousand times. I know. Look how it's working. <laughs> Is that meek and quiet? It's not. Who gets the grace? Come on, there's a lot of talk about grace these days, but who gets it? Not everybody. The proud don't get the grace. No, they don't. They get resisted. That means it ain't going to work. You ain't going to make it without God's help. But the meek, the humble, get the grace. In the grace is the help. With enough of God's grace, you can get through anything. With enough of God's grace, you can overcome anything. With enough of God's grace, it don't get too big for you to receive. You can receive anything. With enough of God's grace. But the only people that get it. Are the humble. The humble. The ones that know when to shut up. The ones that know when to, when to quit. Stop. Leave it alone. Quit trying to do it. Quit trying to make them. Back up. Back off. Cast the care of it over on the Lord. And the scripture said, in closing, I think, Psalm 149.4, the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will what? Beautify 
the meek with salvation. Salvation is being saved from any and every situation and disease. If you saved from it, you were delivered from it. Say out loud. He will beautify the meek with salvation. You know, Ephesians 5 talks about wives. Submit yourself to your own husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Talking about how the church is to submit to the headship of the Lord Jesus and how that the husband and wife relationship and, and, and thing that's godly, he said, it's a great mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Jesus sees all of us together as his bride, his wife, his bride. Male and female, all of us, are his bride. He's the bridegroom. He's the head. Right? We're to submit to his headship. And when we are, won't listen, won't respond, won't comply, won't obey, he still loves us. But it distances us. From his fellowship. The proud he knows. Are far off. Are we still saved? He loves us. But it's ugly to him. Arrogance. Is unattractive to him. Pride and haughtiness. Is just ugly to him. Doesn't make him want to be around you. Fellowship with you. Oh, but (laughs) when you act like Jesus, when you humble yourself and you say, God, I ain't playing church here. I know without you, I'm nothing. And I'm so glad that you love me and I'm so thankful that you chose me. And I'm dependent on you every millisecond of every day. And I know it. I know it. I just want to be around you. And I am yours to command. Everything I am, everything I have, everything I'll ever have, is only because of your goodness in hand. What, what do you want, Lord? Sir, what do you want? That attracts him to you personally. When his eyes are scanning the globe, he notices that. In the midst of all the junk going on over the whole planet, he sees that. And his spirit focuses in on that. Why? Because that's somebody that can and will receive. The other folks don't and can't. Remember the scripture said, in meekness receive the engrafted word that is able to save your souls. Why meekness? Pride is not a receiver. It's not. Only humility is a receiver. Which is why only the humility, get the grace, get the help, get the gift. God's love is just bearing down on the planet. Looking for access. Way to get in. He won't force it. He won't won't force it on you. But when you look up, genuine honesty... Humility. I need you, Lord. I want you, Lord. Nobody's around to hear it. You don't care if they did hear it. Just like water flows downhill, the grace flows to the lowly of heart, to the humble, to the meek. And the next thing you know, you're a part of things you never dreamed you'd be a part of. You have resources you never dreamed you'd, you'd, you'd have and be a part of. And if you're smart, you will never take credit for it. Because that would be a lie. Is that right? I said if you're smart. How many smart people do I have in the house tonight? If you're smart. There's a word I, I will not receive from people about myself and Phyllis and our ministry. 
That's the word deserve. People will tell you, you know, sometimes you're more real to them than the God they can't see. So they say, oh man, you know, you deserve this. When they say, oh yeah, y'all work hard, you deserve this. I don't just go around correcting people, but no, I don't agree with you. I don't deserve it. That's good. Amen. Yes, sir. Are you sure, Brother Keith? Absolutely sure. Yes, amen. Did you not hear the story earlier about the grace being lifted up? I know what I'm talking about. No, I don't deserve the least of his mercies and grace. But he gave it to you anyway. I can enjoy it as long as I realize I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. It's all mercy. It's all grace. And only the humble enjoy are enjoying it on the planet. They're the only ones. We are the only ones enjoying it. Believers and, and Exhibiting some humility. I believe this revelation will grow in us. Tonight, tomorrow, next week, next month, we will grow in genuine Christ likeness. We will grow in a genuine awareness of how dependent on Him. We are, and we'll learn to keep our mouth shut. Are y'all listening? We'll learn to not try to do things that's beyond us. And the grace of God will fill us. You know what part of the grace is? Is the spirit of knowing. The spirit of seeing and knowing. Is part, the Holy Ghost is called the spirit of grace. You just, you know, in, in humility before him, you start seeing things. You start knowing things. Answers just come to you. Oh, hallelujah. And God goes before you and prepares the way before you, inclines people's hearts toward you. And when you show up, they don't even know you, but they want to help you and they want to give to you. Not because you deserve it. Meek in a quiet spirit is of great value to God. It's beautiful to Him. It's attractive to Him. Draws our husband to us. He sees that beautiful, meek, quiet, trusting spirit. And His spirit goes, I need to spend some extra time with them. (laughs) Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.